What's going on, lads and ladas? Welcome back to episode 37. This is a big one. This is a big one. This is the Dave Steve Steve. I don't know how to say it. Steib. Is it Steib? Legendary no Toronto Blue Jays pitcher. That's all I know. We uh, we searched up the greatest athletes to wear each number, and Bleacher Report had Dave Steib listed as uh, the best athlete to wear number 37 ever. So, you know what? I think it was like fitting that we had to we had to put him in. Toronto Blue Jays pitcher. Pretty legendary. <laughs> so Yeah, man. What did you search? You searched this thing and you posted it in the little doc we got going on here. And it's, I'm just going to read it out. Yeah. The number 37 symbolizes exploration, introspection, creativity, independence, self-determination, and self-expression. The number 37 is a very creative and independent number. Its essence is independence. Number 37, <laughs> number 37 people. Enjoy, who are number 37 people? I Apparently, know. They enjoy exploring new locations and new ideas, things, and methods. So if you're a number 37 person, let us know. I, yeah. I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah, what does that mean though? Like, okay, my interpretation of it is like people who like their favorite number would be 37. But I'm like, what, how is that determined? It's, it's like, oh. I, I didn't even know numbers had traits like that. It's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like a Walmart, it's like a Walmart astrology uh, yeah. method. Yeah. It, it, this is such a hack hack like astrology just kind of thing see here. someone walk down the street oh, okay, that guy's yeah. definitely a 16 and who yeah and who determined like what the number means how does the number mean that i don't i don't get it <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a digit number, a number 37 symbolizes exploration introspection creativity independence its <laughs> essence is independence that's what it says that was a line in the thing its essence is independence the number 37 huh there you go we're uh, Good for we're a very informative podcast. But I honestly, man, like that kind of still blows my mind. I didn't know, but like, do, do you? It's kind of like astrology. Do you believe in that? Like, are you a big astrology guy? Do you, Do you follow? Uh... No, no. <laughs> I'd be okay, I'd be so, concerned if you were. Okay, so if one of uh, our friends at school, she's like huge into astrology and would like take down our birth dates and like what what time of the day exactly were you born what was the region that you were born in and all this stuff because apparently it all affects your your signs differently like where you were born what time of the day all this stuff and i thought there was like one I, apparently i thought there was like one sign where it's like this is what you are but apparently there's like a moon i thought one so and too like, yeah there's a, there's like multiple yeah there's what? all these different things but it's like they're all when you read them it's hilarious they're all the most like General. general yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's it can literally apply to absolutely anybody so like you'll read through it and it's like okay that could apply to me that could apply to me that does not apply to me that could apply to me that there's no way that applies to me but it's like the shoe if the shoe fits like it oh yeah that's my sign then they're like oh it works for me it's yeah. so and funny. then it's like the, the yeah my yeah. sign could work for you too but like Probably. some of the things aren't gonna work some of the things will it's like but man, there was a, like, I've known people who are like judge relationships based on like, they're like, oh, are you, you're a Scorpio? Like, nah, like not going to work. Yeah. Right. Like, are, like, what? Sorry. Okay. One thing I have seen happen, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's like, um, you go to the bar and like bouncer checks your ID and you know how they'll quiz you about shit on your ID, like yeah, postal yeah. code, address, whatever. Have you ever seen them ask like, what's your uh, sign? What's your astrology so, someone, so, no, no. Someone asked me my height in centimeters one time, though. No way. I How swear you, to God. I have no I idea. Like, yeah. I, got, I got turned down. 
Because you I mean, didn't know your height in centimeters. Well, it was a fake ID, but like still. <laughs> like I would if <laughs> it was like I was like 16 going to the convenience store or something. Right. And like I get there and then they're like ID. And I'm like, oh, okay. Give them the ID and they're like, I don't think this is you. I'm like, well, it's, it's me. It's me. I was using my brothers at the time. Quiz me, what your name, address, whatever. Like, obviously, I know it because I live with the guy. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, height in centimeters. And I'm like, I just walked out. Like, <laughs> yeah, just give me my ID back. Thanks. Yeah, like, I can't, I Forget can't it. That. But yeah, I've seen, I've seen them ask, what's your astrology sign? And I'm like, I, nice. I know mine, but I could see how people wouldn't have an idea. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's not like it's something that you're like, you just expect people to know what their astrology sign is. I don't think, I don't think it's like that general of, uh, of like knowledge. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't even know how I know mine. I don't know where I learned it from. I don't know like when I picked it up. I know. I know it too. You just know. I know what mine is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's not. But it's not like you would expect people to know what their signs are. Really, I wouldn't. Think. And no, it's not like it's not like I go to the that web some website and like keep up. Yeah. No. Uh, you will not like, ever catch me looking up my what the, the information is based on yeah. my sign either. That was not. That will not be. But yeah. No, I cannot get into the astrology signs at all. So the fact that this number thing that we pulled up is so generic and like just out there is like it just goes to show how bogus the astrology stuff. I and I think I, I think someone's got too much time on their hands, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure, like hundred percent. But thirty-seven. You know what? Uh, I don't have as much. We don't have as much time on our hands anymore. I would say with uh, phase two. Yeah, uh, starting out right. in Ontario in the York area. I know patios were open yesterday. Uh, we're we're recording on Saturday right now, so referring to Friday, patios were opened up. Yeah, um, yeah. Some restaurants, I guess, are going. I guess mostly just patios. I think maybe actually only patios. Hair what, what did you get up to, Phil? Uh, well, we mentioned on a couple episodes ago. We said, "What would your dream situation would be?" Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Situation would be. So I mentioned the two scenarios: if I went in Markham or in London, or like at home or in London, and uh, I followed through. So, oh, that's lovely. Yeah, yeah, I followed through. So uh, we got the text. Uh, Kent sent us a message, and he was like, "Boys, booking a reservation at Dutch. We're going to patio, and uh, it was like max six people allowed or whatever." So. Pulled up with the boys, pitchers going, wings. It was perfect. That dill sauce, oh my God, that stuff hit different. It's just that oh, first man. time back, haven't seen the boys in a, in a little while, haven't got to like go out and drink with everybody. So you know it, you know it was hitting different. Yeah. It was unreal. But I was, I was glad to get to follow through on that, especially because I mean, you were living, yeah, you literally said your dream scenario. Yeah. Dutch. I'm, so, just, I'm so happy you could make that happen. Your dream, yeah. dreams become reality. Yes, they do. They do. <laughs> when you're podcasting, dreams become reality. <laughs> so, what'd you get up to? You do anything yesterday? Uh, I visited a, an old friend. I actually, you know what? Earlier, earlier, like during this podcast life, we talked about my awful, awful prom experience. Like, I yeah. think I told the full story on prom or about prom, my prom, whatever. But yeah. I visited her. I saw her, and uh, we made, Wait, made give a, a little backstory, just a little brief explanation of what happened. Okay. Long story if short. You're comfortable with it. Long okay, yeah, yeah. Long story short, she lived in New Jersey at the time. Now lives in Toronto, but she lived in New Jersey, and I like I don't know. I didn't like. You know her from anyone. the cottage. Know her from the cottage, yeah. yeah. And I didn't ask anyone to go to prom with me 
at, from school. So I just shot her a text because like we grew up together. I'm like, yeah, like, would you want to go to prom with me? She's like, yep. sure, which blew my mind. So she booked tickets, whatever, got, got plane tickets. Like I bought her prom ticket, my Sega ticket, got everything sorted out, had to like talk to the principals, get them to like agree to yeah, it. Yeah, it was a process. It's all, it's all, like, it's all, yeah, it's all set up. It's all set up. And then I, um, I like made a sign to surprise her at the airport when I take her off her prom. And then that morning, that morning, I wake up to like 18 calls, 36 missed, missed texts. And she's basically like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, uh, my parents canceled the flight as punishment. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, are you kidding me? So my sign is already sitting in the front hall. Like, I wake up, like, I'll walk downstairs. Like, it's just, just not a good day. I still had a blast of prom, but yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, gave her, I gave her some shit about that. It was good, though. Just had a good night. Just hung out and uh, just chilled. And then I was driving back today. And I just... I was in such a good mood because, like, it was the first time I get to, like, really leave the house and do something. Yep. So you, you already know that the windows are down, tunes are tunes Oh, are 100%. Down. Yep. Yeah, that's what I was buzzing with. Uh, you know uh, you know who I was listening to on the way? You have any idea who I might have been listening to? Well, last night, uh, get the pictures going. And after after not having drank in a little while with this quarantine going on, I can tell you for sure the beers, they felt a little stronger. They did. They really did. So I think it might be time now to introduce our uh, our guest of honor, the man, the myth, the legend, Tim Hicks. That was a man who really needs no introduction. He's earned four nominations for Juno Awards. He has won a CCMA award, earned two platinum selling singles, seven gold singles, one gold album, and 13 top 10 radio hits, including the number one chart-topping single, What a Song Should Do. We are super excited to welcome to the pod, Tim Hicks. Woo! Thanks for joining us, Tim. How are you? Am I doing well? You? Ah, uh, you know, hanging in there, man. Where, where are you guys right now? So uh, I'm in my, my brother's childhood bedroom in Markham, Ontario. Markham, in Markham, okay. Yeah, and I'm in Aurora. Yeah. In Aurora. All right, and I'm in St. Catharines. We could have met in Burlington and all been in the middle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A little central location. Maybe we'll have to do that when uh, quarantine's up. Right? Oh, my God. We'll get to hang out with you. Can't so uh, how have you been doing? How's uh, quarantine been going for you? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm the same as everybody. I mean, most days are okay, and then some days are real good, and some days are real low. <laughs> so yeah. it's just uh, a matter of managing that from day to day. I'm, I'm home with, uh, with two little ones. I've got an eight-year-old son and a seven-year-old daughter, and my wife's a, a public health nurse. So she's okay. been working. She's working around the clock, man. Like, they are yeah. just nurses are just oh my god they're going hard right now so um she's been working from home a little bit but still going into the office three times a week and and uh dealing with the fallout of this whole covid thing what's uh work being like for you during this or do you have a little studio <laughs> set up at your house or <laughs> there's no work <laughs> yeah i do i'm in the studio right now so right. i've been doing uh you know, I, I mean, the, the thing about this is that we can still release music. We can still, because uh, I, I was in the middle of releasing uh, what will ultimately be a record in the end. So I've had, I've got lots of songs kind of in the, in the can ready to go. And we're about to release some new stuff at the end of June. So that's really exciting. But, you know, my whole thing, man, my whole thing is the live show. I, I come from a background of live music. I was a, a working musician five days a week, six days a week for 18 years before I ever had a song on the radio. So this is, feels very alien to me to not play. It's just right. the most, the weirdest thing, you know? And, and what's strange about this, you know, when you get to the national level too, it's like, I don't see my band. We're all scattered around. So these guys that I sleep in arm's length away from, <laughs> you know, on a tour bus, I, I, 
I mean, we've talked a few times and emailed uh, a bunch, but uh, I'm really missing them. Yeah. So Tim, take, take us back to the very beginning. So like you said, you're from St. Catharines yeah. and growing up, uh, we've heard from other interviews that you've had like a heavy classic rock influence. So oh, we just yeah. want to know like, how and why did you get into country music and what are, who are some of your personal influences? Yeah, it happened by accident. It was, it was one of these things that, you know, I, I had a real hard time finding where I fit in as an artist and I, and because, you know, I was playing in all kinds of bands. I toured the world playing in a Beatles tribute band. I, I played in, uh, you know, casino bands and I played acoustic gigs and trio gigs and duo gigs. And just before I signed my record deal, I had uh, four bands that you could buy kind of, you know, for a gig. <laughs> yeah. like, and, and really, we were the same guys, but we would just wear different clothes. And we, we, would, do, we would do a whole night of country, a whole night of rock, a whole night of Irish music. Uh, go figure. And, uh, and then, you know, I was also doing acoustic gigs a lot uh, where I was standing in the corner kind of playing all those things. But what happened was every time I wrote a song and played it for someone, they go, that's a really great country song. <laughs> and I thought, what are you talking about? I grew up in Niagara Falls. I live in St. Catharines. So we didn't have a country station. And so I started to, um, to, to kind of dig into it because people were asking me, they, you know, I had this Tuesday night gig in Brantford, Ontario, and people would ask me to sing Keith Urban all the time. And, you know, when I, when I actually dug in to guys like Keith Urban and Zach Brown and Jason Aldean and Eric Church, I found where I belong. I'm like, I got way more in common with these guys than I do with Dallas Green. You know what I mean? And, right. and he was kind of the pinnacle for around here for, for a long time. And, and, you know, I played acoustic guitar and sang, but I, it, it was like, I was, just a little too light for rock. And it's just something wasn't right. I wasn't a pop singer. Nobody really could put their, their, their finger on it. But um, when I started to sing country, it just felt so good. And I felt like I was home. And it, it wasn't long thereafter. We, were probably, we probably did country full time for about three, four years before I signed a record deal. And I had to put it in perspective. I tried for all through my 20s to get get a record deal and I, I couldn't get anything going. And I had decided that I didn't even care anymore. I was just going to sing in bars because I was booked six months out and I was, I was paying my bills. I wasn't making a lot of money, but I got, I got a really cool wife and she was like, listen, you do what you need to do in order to be happy. And as long as you're, you know, keeping up your end of the bargain, I don't care what you do. So well, that, it, worked, it worked out perfectly because I think you may have the greatest name in all of country music. You know, it, it, just, it just worked out so well. It's funny that you say that, that when I first started going to, to Nashville, Everyone would ask me. They'd say, Tim Hicks, huh? And I'd say, yeah. And they'd go, what's your real name? <laughs> Tim Hicks. And they're like, come on, what's your real name? And I'll never forget. I, so I worked with this guy named Jeff Copeland. And he, he's produced most of my stuff. Uh, we, we ha I, I used a different producer on Shake These Walls for a number of reasons. But, um, but Jeff and I are very tight and very close. And he was one of the first people that I really connected with when I started going to Nashville. And uh, and he said, uh, Tim Hicks, huh? And I said, yeah. He goes, what's your real name? I said, Tim Hicks. <laughs> and he goes like this, he goes, perfect. Just, <laughs> just like that. And I thought, I really have found my home. You know, this, doing this whole thing is, is really cool. And, and like I said, I, I really attribute, you know, having a career to guys like Eric Church and Jason Aldean, like that kind of are rock influenced. I mean, at the time, Jason Aldean had Rich Redmond playing drums with him, who had a giant red mohawk. All of his bands looked like they, they, our band guys looked like they, they were a biker gang. They had giant chains on and, and they were playing a pyro, you know, explosions everywhere. And I thought this, this is where I belong, you know? And I, uh, the, the kind of music that I liked was like Leonard Skinner, the band, the Allman Brothers, like heavily um, countrified sort of rock from the seventies. 
And right. I truly believe, I say this to even the Eagles, right? I love the Eagles. Um, bands like that would find a home on country radio if they came out now. You know, oh, and I think sure. that's... I, I, yeah, you know, just earlier today, uh, Robbie Robertson, uh, the documentary was on the movie okay. channel. We caught a bit of that I, earlier this yeah, afternoon. I haven't seen it yet. I'm dying to check it out. Is it good? It's, well, from what I saw, it's pretty uh, great. I couldn't finish it. I had to make lunch and then prepare for this. So, but uh, I'm definitely going to go back and finish it. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the band. And uh, I've heard about, this, about the, the documentary and I, I need to see it. I just, I, I live for that. I keep a stock of, um, of music docs on my laptop for when we fly. So uh, really? I'm always looking for a new one that I can add in, you know? Uh, okay, so I wanted to ask you, one of my... Like when I grew up listening to music, my dad had a heavy influence on the type of stuff I listened to. Yeah. Uh, I really listened to all types of music, um, uh-huh. mo- but mostly from him, it was rock and rock and roll and all that kind of stuff. Um, the first three country songs that stick out in my head that really, really got me into country music was uh, Wagon Wheel by Darius Rucker, yeah. uh, Knee Deep by Zach Brown Band, yeah. and yeah. Stronger Beer by okay. Tim Hicks. So... <laughs> I wanted to ask you about Stronger Beer because Stronger Beer is not only one of the songs that really got me into country, but it is one of my favorite country songs in general. I know all the words start to finish. Like, I just absolutely love the song. And I want to know what kind of Canadian influence do you have in all of your music, let alone that one? Because that one really stands out as like a a Canadian song. I'll tell you the story about Stronger Beer in a second, but you know, what's interesting about that is like, I, I am staunchly Canadian. I, I never made the move to Nashville. We tried. Um, we, we, we lived in Nashville for six months while I worked on Shake These Walls. And at the end of six months, my wife and I just looked at one another and said, time to go home. Like, I just, I love Canada. And I only ever wanted to be like Blue Rodeo, you know, like where, where I could tour every summer or tour every year or every 18 months and put out a record or not. And people would still come. And, you know, I really look up to guys like that, that, that made their living like the hit, you know what I mean? Like those guys are staunchly Canadian. They played in America, but they didn't have the same kind of success that they do in Canada. And there's something about that, that I really loved. Um, that being said, one of the things that I heard over and over again, when in 2013, when I first started to, uh, to come on the scene was that the sound sounded American. It's, people said, oh, it doesn't sound Canadian. And they meant it as a compliment. And I would say, I, it kind of irritated me, to be honest. A yeah. bit. Well, I'm not American. You know what I mean? And, 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 I, and I, you know, I've got lots of American friends. I, I love it down in Nashville. They're wonderful people down there. And, uh, um, you know, but, but you know, I always just wanted to be a, a Canadian musician. So that's one of the reasons why we still live in this house. This is the same house we were in before all this happened. We have the same neighbors. Uh, my kids go to school, you know, a kilometer down the road. It's, it's, it's a wonderful place to live. So, uh, but the, you know, the whole thing with stronger beer, which is, it's hilarious to me that we're nearly 10 years later and I'm still talking about this song and that what a, a wonderful thing to have a song that's permeated pop culture like that. And that song started out as just a joke. It was a joke. It was a joke <laughs> writing with Jeff and, and, the quick story is he picked me up at this at the office in Nashville and we were going to go to his studio on the east side. And I said, Hey man, if you don't mind, um, if we could hit a shoppers on the way, I'd like to get a, uh, some smarties or just something to munch on while we work. I got a bit of a sweet tooth. And he looked at me like I had three heads, which is super weird because he was born and raised in Montreal. So <laughs> he would know what shoppers was, but he's like, I have no idea what you just said. And uh, so then we had this, chit chat about Canada and America and 
you know, I was like, you know, we, we have football, like we have the CFL. And he's like, yeah. really? huh, I didn't really re realize that. And I was like, yeah, man, it's, he goes, is it the same rules? I said, well, you know, one less down, the ball's bigger, the field's longer. And he's like, oh, too easy. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and we got taught because my day-to-day -day manager was from West Virginia. So we thought, wouldn't it be funny if we could write this kind of funny song and send it into the office and really get a chuckle out of them and then send in the real song and be like, you know, they'll be like, haha, very funny. Where's the real song, boys? And we would send it in and uh, everything would be cool. But sure enough, we sent the song in and we're like waiting and waiting. And finally we get this call. It's like, we love it. It's going on the record. <laughs> we're like, what? Oh no. You know, I had no, and, and it's, so I was almost a little bit embarrassed about it, you know, and, and, you know, still with, you know, it takes me six beers to get pissed drunk. You have no idea how many YouTube comments are like, Tim Hicks is a pussy. Because <laughs> <laughs> the beer's stronger, guys. Like, we had a big t talk about this. And, uh, you know, I, I love that people love it. It lives in the encore now. Like, what, you know, I make people wait for it. And, uh, got it, yeah. yeah, and it's one, you know, we don't rehearse it anymore. We played it so many times that the band just like, <laughs> we get to that one on the set list and I'm like, moving on. Um, and, uh, but, but it's, it's always a moment in the show, you know, to ha hear everybody sing it back. And, and I love that about it. And, uh, I'm so pleased that, and I'm so pleased that, 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 uh, open road decided to release it and put it out. It was never released as a single, but it, it went platinum, which is, uh, virtually unheard of in this day and age. So that was really exciting, you know? So there so, you go. A long story. Yeah. Make a long story over. That's how it went. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So my, I my love parents, that yeah, that, that was a great story. My my parents aren't big country fans, but I gotta say, Stronger Beer is one song that even they love. I think it resonates with all Canadians and makes us proud to be Yeah, I think that that's what it is. Is it you know, every, because you know, we're we're stereotypically like so polite and bashful about it like you know yeah, yeah. down in america there's the flags are flying and everyone's like oh, america you know um and uh, we're, we're a lot more laid back about it so that gives everybody you know two minutes and 50 seconds to be super loud about you know go canada kind of thing and and like i said i i'm just pleased people see the humor in it every now and again i get a nasty email or or a social media message from from someone you know who's angry about it but um you know just takes all kinds so I, I, yeah. it's it's a joke and that's where it ends and we <laughs> well, actually we googled it on the day and the, there is no difference between the beer they just measure their alcohol by volume and we measure it by weight or vice versa i can't remember uh so it's <laughs> a slight discrepancy there from, from the math but um it's uh you know it's all the same in the end it's just fun it just makes for a fun song Oh, absolutely. So that kind, of, that kind of leads me to my next question about like kind of the hate mail, some, some of the hate mail you've gotten from that song. Oh. Uh, obviously, we, we love it up here. Yeah. But you said you recorded that in Nashville. And, and yeah. what was the reaction from, from the Americans who, who you performed that song to? Or, okay, well, or they I, heard it? I haven't performed. I don't often perform in America, but there has been the odd like, situation where, for instance, I played the Bluebird Cafe in Nashville a few times, like done writer's rounds where you sing it. And... Um, you, you know, people have begged me to do it because I don't know, I'm a little, I get a little bit self-conscious about it when I'm down there. Um, and uh, it, at the Bluebird, I tell the story. I set it up. I explain that, you know, I, I tell you, I tell kind of a similar story to what I just told you about, you know, I explained to my buddy that there's a bigger ball and a longer field. And <laughs> laughed and, and then I play the song and it usually goes over well. But I will tell you this one time I was playing, um, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't on the gig. I happened to be in the room at the listening room in Nashville which is a famous uh, place to go watch writer's rounds. And my buddies were doing the round. They said, you got to get up here. There's a table of Canadians over here. You got to get up here and play. And they were chanting like, play stronger beer. So <laughs> I did. 
And it like when I finished, you could hear a pin drop. No one laughed. No one clapped. Like it was just, it was so embarrassingly bad. <laughs> it just like crashed and burned. And I think what was missing was I just didn't have time to set it up. And it just, it came off as like this snotty Canadian guy telling everybody that they've got better, better beer up in Canada than they do in America. <laughs> which doesn't go over well on a Friday night in downtown Nashville, let me tell you. But, um, so, you know, it, it is, I, you know, I, I, for instance, I was just supposed to go to Australia and somebody asked me, are you going to play it? And I said, no, I'm not going to play it. And then someone else said, no, no, no. It, they, they stream it down there. They love it. They love it down there. Wow. Uh, and so that, that kind of was like, it kind of um, was surprising to me that other countries, and, for, and we, I played in Germany and Holland as well, uh, just before the, the whole thing happened, we all had to come home. But, uh, and, and people were asking for it. Are you going to do stronger beer? So there's something about it. I think it, you know, I think that I, I, this might come off. I don't want it to come off the, how it's going to come up. But I think that there's something about kind of needling America a little bit. You know, yeah, for sure. For yeah. sure. In a fun way. It's done yeah, in a absolutely. fun way. You know what I mean? Like no, no one's trying to start any bar fights over <laughs> But um, it is, uh, it's, it's one of those things, man. I'm, I'm so uh, lucky to have a song like that. So you've talked about like living in Nashville and that experience of working there and stuff. What would you say is your favorite bar that, or place that you got to play oh, yeah. in, in Nashville alone? Oh, okay. I was going to say my, I've, my favorite bar. I mean, the, my favorite gig that I've done there is the Bluebird Cafe. It's a right. wildly famous place. And, um, you know, I never thought I'd ever get an opportunity to play to you know, to play at a writer's round in, in Nashville, Tennessee. Like that's a, that's a pretty cool thing for a kid from Niagara Falls. So yeah. that, I would say that would be my favorite. Okay. And then what would be your favorite bar in Nashville? Okay. So down on Broadway, uh, there's a place called Robert's Western world. And okay. uh, it's my favorite place. It's um, they always have a great band. It's always a traditional country. It's a hole in the wall, but it has got such a vibe and you can get this thing called, excuse me, the, it's called the recession special. And it's mm -hmm. a, cut fried bologna sandwich and a pap's blue ribbon for five bucks wow i love wow. it <laughs> i get it every time i'm in town that's unreal. so that, that kind of that kind of reminds me uh so tim i know i know that you went to the university of waterloo i did uh, yeah i'm i'm currently at wilfrid laurier university i'm going oh, to my oh, third year there the turret i used to hang at the turret the turret how about uh so you were talking about the the five buck little combo was was chainsaw uh, around when you were in waterloo because they had hell of how like for great deals there Chainsaw is a bar? Yeah, it was, it was a little karaoke bar in water, on King Street in Waterloo. It wasn't there. It was wasn't probably there, called right? something else. It was probably called something else. See, I used to live, do you know where Phillips Street is? Yes. Okay, so on, on Phillips Street, there used to be, I don't know if it's still there, across from, is Rim still there? No, I don't believe so. Rim's gone? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I'm out of that. But there, <laughs> Rim used to be there, and across the road was these student co-op residences, and I lived in there, and in the basement was a pub called Weaver's Arms. And I used to play there every Wednesday night, like for, for years and years. Like even after I graduated, I figured the gig would be over. And they're like, no, we, we'd like to have you back. So I kept driving there for years. And then I wound, up, I wound up, when that dried up, I wound up moving it down to McMullen's on King. And I played McMullen's for a while. But I think Phil's is still a thing, right? Phil's is still a thing. And it's, yeah, it's infamous, it's a notorious place. I'm an old man now. It's been a long time since I hung out at the University of Waterloo, but I, I look back on it pretty fondly now. That's awesome. Is there any, uh, I guess I wanted to ask that during your time in Waterloo, like, you know what, actually, let's take it back to, to your debut album, because it kind of relates to you playing live, live tunes, mm -hmm. and kind of working your way up. So your debut album was released in 2013. Mm -hmm. And you were in your early 30s at the time, like, obviously, we're not music experts, but that does seem 
a little late, which is interesting to oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> so could you kind of walk us through that progression and how you kind of came about signing your, uh, yeah. your record deal? And well, yeah, I'll tell you exactly what happened. So I was, I was playing full time. Um, like I told you, I was, I tried for 10 years all through my twenties to get a, a deal and, and it, you know, in retrospect, it was because the music wasn't right. I wasn't doing what was natural to me, which was acoustic guitar and singing. So once I kind of figured it out, um, I was singing at uh, Grace O'Malley's in downtown Toronto at King. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. We're familiar. <laughs> okay. So I used to play there. My band was the house band there and we play, I played every Wednesday by myself and then Thursday nights I would play with the band. And then once a quarter or so we would do the whole weekend. So we were there a lot. I was there a lot. And I was singing one night and these two guys or this uh, one fellow actually in particular approached me. He's like, Hey man, you got a good voice. Do you write? And I said, yeah, I write songs, but I hadn't written in a long time. I was just, I was just working and I didn't care. I was just like, whatever. Yeah. I write songs. He's like, well, you know, you know, I, I got, I got some studio space over at EMI and I, would you like to write? I said, sure. So it kind of started from there. So those guys, um, I recorded some demos with, and they took them to Nashville and played them for Ron Kitchener, who's my current manager and uh, runs Open Road. Um, uh, to which Ron said uh, something of the effect like, "These songs are horrible, but this guy's got something with his voice, and and uh, I want to see him sing." So next thing you know, my wife's super pregnant, and uh, uh, the A and R guy for uh, Open Road came to see a little showcase that I set up in Hamilton, Ontario at Fennel and Wentworth, the old squires. And uh, they, they let me play for free because this Nashville guy was going to come see me play. And uh, next thing I know, he, he, you know, he looked at my wife. He said, dude, you got your hands full. I said, yep. Uh, he said, when's the baby due? November. He said, have the baby, come to Nashville in January and we'll see what happens. And I spent the next year, all 2012, just going back and forth between St. Catharines and Nashville. Every time they'd say, when can you come back? I would just book another trip and go back down, write some more songs. And then we got enough songs that, you know, once we had Get By, uh, everyone got really excited. And uh, once they put Get By out on the radio, everything changed. So that was kind of the progression. And at that point, it's like, you know, it was as if the universe just said, okay, uh, remember that thing that you wanted? Here's a baby. And now here's a record deal. Juggle that. Yeah. <laughs> and it was chaos, man. And then shortly thereafter, we had another, we, we had my daughter. So it, it's been, uh, we, in fact, my wife and I were just talking the other day. This is the longest I've been home since, uh, since forever. Like I've never been home. Wow. This <laughs> so, you know, which is great. It's a, it's a blessing and a curse at the same time, but I'm really just trying to, to you know, focus my time on spending time with the kids and, and just being at home and being dad and being a husband and, you know, doing the music thing on the side. Right. Yeah. It's gotta yeah. be enjoyable. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's the thing. And what I love about country music is that you can be like, I was 33 when I broke, you could be in your thirties as a man. That's, I guess that's male privilege. Uh, which is, you know, a little bit shameful, but uh, you can be a little bit older and still still have a career happen, which is uh, exactly what happened for me. So there you go. And we're glad it did, man. You've, you've you. released some killer tunes. And... I appreciate that. Thanks. So uh, we know that country is kind of known for having a lot of cliches in some of its lyrics. You got the cold beer, the jacked up truck, dirt roads. Uh, the list goes on, really. We want to know what's your favorite countryism. <laughs> well, uh it changes. It changes. But, you know, that's how you wind up with a song like No Truck Song. It's because somebody yeah. says, you know, you can't sing about trucks anymore. That's why I say at the end of the song as a joke, it's like, uh, they say we can't sing about trucks anymore. You know, because some, some guy on Music Row just decided, like, truck songs are out. No one's, no one's doing truck songs anymore. And you're like, oh, my God. Okay, we can't write about truck songs. Uh, <laughs> so, I, you know, it, it changes all the time. I would say for a long time, I was always reaching for them painted on jeans. 
you know, <laughs> that everybody yeah. had in their songs for a while. And it's, it's almost like when you, when I hear that stuff, it's almost like looking at a bad yearbook photo, you know, <laughs> yeah. look at my hair. I look terrible. You know, it's a little bit like that because, you know, especially at that time, it, we were all trying to figure it out. And, and it just, some of the cliches were just so bad. Like I remember my A&R guy t- telling me, he's like, no more gravel ro- roads, no more gravel roads. Enough with the gravel roads. Every, every song you write has a gravel road in it. Forget it. Move on. Get some pavement. Get some dirt. I don't care what it is. No more gravel roads. So I, I guess gravel roads would be my, my favorite. That's pretty funny. Are there any, like, obviously there's some that you just naturally use, but are there any that you've ever like slipped in there just for fun, just to like poke fun at the fact that people are always looking for those kinds of things? That's what no trucks, uh, no truck song is that, is that that thing. Like us just, just kind of making fun of ourselves a little bit, you know, Uh, but you're trying to do it in a, in a, in a clever way, I suppose, for a better term. I don't know if we got there, but, uh, (laughs) and that, that's why I, I don't know. Like it's, um, you know, the thing about truck song is that on every record I've done, they let me cut one or two of these like kind of silly songs. So for instance, a good example of that would be drunk me on new tattoo, you know, drunk me is out and at it again, where it's kind of a little bit funny. And that comes from me listening to a lot of John Prine and, and and people like that, that kind of would write silly songs. Okay. Uh, And it's really designed as just comic relief. And to show people that really at the end of the day, I'm just trying to have some fun and I'm not taking myself too seriously. So that's why it was so exciting to release a song like No Truck Song was because we'd never really shone a light on that. Like Stronger Beer was that. Like yeah. I was making f- fun of myself, really, you know, about, <laughs> yeah. all, that, all, that, all, that, all that with all that stuff. So, you know, it's just it's um, I, I mean, I, I on every record, I just I want to do something that brings a smile to someone's face and give them a chuckle. I just think that that's the best, you know, because I don't I don't. I don't take myself too seriously. And I want it to be clear to you guys when you listen to it that, oh, okay, Tim's just fooling around here. You know, let's see. <laughs> yeah. California's on fire. You know, all that stuff. Like we're, we're, we're just trying to get a laugh out of people. I like that. I like that. Um, if you could pick two venues, one big venue, one small venue at your favorite places to perform. So I'm going to assume that your small venue would be the, uh, the bluebird. Uh, if you could pick one, no, it wouldn't. I'll tell you okay. what it would be. It'd be the Commodore the, Ballroom. Okay. Commodore Ballroom. I've and why would that be? Because it's got so much history. And there's a, the floor is on, uh, I can't remember if it's on springs or on like rubber tires or something. But when you get everybody jumping like this, you can actually see the floor move in the Commodore. And it's no like, way. Like a thousand kids and, and it's a small stage. It's tight. It's dirty. It's sweaty. That's my favorite small venue in Canada. Is the, is the and and I would say my favorite big one would be uh, Budweiser stage. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a. I got to play there with Dean Brody a few summers back, and like listening to the intro tape roll and the wings, I was welling up. I was like, I can't even believe that I am playing molson amphitheater you know which is, i oh, saw you there and that uh, oh were you yeah the, yeah we had it like lawn. you could tell like everybody all my friends and family that were there because everyone was there like my grandmother was there my mom was there my you know my wife was there uh everybody was there they all said you could just tell that you were just beaming on the inside you know i, think <laughs> I really was i just because i'd seen so many concerts there as a kid um and and as a as an adult you know um so to actually play that stage is was pretty pretty epic so tim we want to know where would you rank that moment in terms of 
kind of performances where you've you're up there, you got the crowd singing along, and you just think to yourself like, okay, like I, I, I'm where awesome. I need to be. Yeah, this is awesome. Like, where would you rank that one? Or do you have any other? Uh, that was like- top one for me. We were high for three days. Like, we had, <laughs> yeah, we had we, had, uh, we left on the bus that night to go play Lucknow Music in the Fields, I think, in around Kincardine. And it took three days for me to come down from that show. And the band, too. Like, we were all, like – because you have to understand, I have the same guys that were playing with me at Gracie's are playing with me now. Um, wow. You know, the things have gotten bigger. Like, we got a few more guys in the band, and now we have a crew and a bus and all that stuff. But it's the same guys. It's a- Andrew McTaggart was the guitar player, Rob Wells on drums, Doug Elash on bass, and me. And we were that, – so to, we always – especially when you play these big shows, um, even now, I have at least one moment with one of the guys while someone's taking a solo out on the catwalk or whatever, where I'm like, can you believe we are here? Can you believe this? And they're like, can't believe it. You know, as we're playing, right. We're yelling over the music. Can't believe it. This is awesome. (laughs) So great. You know, it's uh, so it's, it's that, that was a, that was a big moment. Uh, what do you think about uh, Boots and Hearts? Because I know Ryan and I have both been there a couple of times and Boots and Hearts is pro- like one of the biggest. I know there's a bunch more now of country music festivals in Canada, but like, would you like how, like, what is your perspective on that as uh, a country music performer? Like, what, do you, what is your thought on it? I, yeah, I mean, when you, when you have 30,000 of your closest friends singing your songs back, <laughs> it feels pretty good. You know, I, I love that festival. I mean, I, I feel like, um, you know, we, I, I, I had a real special moment. I've had a number of special moments on, on that stage. We played it so many times, but the one that comes to mind is the first year that we played it. We, uh, well, actually it would have been the second time because the first year no one knew who I was. So the second year, um, this was maybe the next year or a couple of years later, I can't remember now, but uh, we played the Thursday night kickoff party. And it was the first time that they announced, they said, ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to the stage, open road recording artist, Tim Hicks. And I swear to God, I welled up. Like, and the guys, we all did. Like, we were all standing, like, we were standing backstage in the huddle waiting to go on. And I was like, I can't even believe that that even happened. Like, I stopped trying. I stopped trying to make it, you know. And, and here we are. We have 10,000 kids chanting my name. And, um, and then uh, the best part was the intro tape rolls and the band's supposed to kick in and I'm supposed to come out as they're playing. And the intro tape rolls, and then no one plays. There's nothing coming off the stage. And I thought, oh, you buggers are all fired. Every single one of you <laughs> is going to fire the band. I'm so mad. And I came around the corner, and Andrew was standing there. He goes, Breaker Blue. Like, music's playing. Like, the drums were happening, but nothing else was happening. He's like, Breaker Blue. And I saw all these, like, crew guys diving everywhere. And, and I just remember uh, <clears throat> I grabbed the microphone, and I, and I go, I yelled because for whatever reason, the PA was working, but the guitar amps weren't. I think that's what it was. So I yelled, you guys are so hot. We blow the breaker in this place. And everyone went. (laughs) 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 And it it bought us a moment to kind of fix what was happening on the stage. So, you know, I have a a, a real special place in my heart for Boots and Hearts. Yeah, I was there. I I was there at that concert. Was that the 2016 show? No, no. um, That was 2016 was the first time I played the main stage. So this would have been 2014 ish. Maybe, maybe it was even summer 2013. I can't remember. We played 2012 in the emerging artist showcase and lost. Um, And then uh, just kidding. Well, we did lost, but it's not, it doesn't bother me anymore. Uh, And um, uh, the next year we came back and played the kickoff party. Yeah. So it would have been 2013. 
Okay. So, yeah. Tim, like, tell us, like, if you weren't a musician, what do you think you'd be doing? I have no idea, dude. I, I've had a million people, well, not a million, but I've had a lot of people tell me that I, I should have been a music teacher or I could have been a music teacher or I could have been a teacher or something like that. But I, you know, for me, um, and it's hard to say because as a parent now, um, I wouldn't want my kids to say the same thing, but I really didn't have a backup plan. I, I was all in on it. I was, I've been all in on playing music as a living since I was seven years old. And I told lots of lies along the way to my parents to quell their fears. Yeah, I told them I was going to be a music therapist and I took psychology and, at the university of Waterloo. And, uh, and that was because they said, you can't do music. You have to take something else because you need to have a backup plan. <laughs> and I, I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. I got that backup plan. It's happening. Um, and uh, there really wasn't one, you know, so I, I, I don't know. I don't know what I would be doing. There, there was a point, actually a real low point just before things took off. Uh, where I asked my wife to get me a interview at the region of Niagara, which is where she works as a public health nurse. So she, uh, and she's like, what, why would you, why, what for? I said, I'm just sick of it. I'm just, you know, I was playing to bars every night and I was out late and I wasn't making a lot of money. And, um, and she was, and she kind of really put it in perspective. I'll never forget. She goes, Oh, boo hoo. And I thought she was going to say, finally, he's seen the light, but he's, but she said, boo hoo for you. And I said, what do you mean? She goes, you go out every night and get to do what you love to do every night. Do you know how many people would die to be in that position? Who cares if you're not making a billion dollars or whatever it is? Like, who cares? Go out and do it. Be happy. Go out and do what you love. And it was that moment where everything clicked. I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm just going to go out and just play and work. And I don't even care if I make it or if I ever have a song on the radio. It doesn't matter. And it was in that moment, as soon as I let go of all that, the phone rang. And I was headed to Nashville. So, so wow. yep. Your wife seems to be a pretty incredible support system for you and oh, yeah. a good influence on your career. Absolutely. Yeah. She's been a huge uh, supporter. Um, you know, like all wives has her days where <laughs> she finds the whole thing irritating and annoying. But uh, most of the time uh, she's, she's behind what we're doing. And I mean, you can't have it any other way, like, especially if you're going to have kids and try and do this. It's, it's uh, you need to have someone that's that's supportive and equally supportive back and forth. You know what I mean? So, right. so right now it's like, I'm the stay at home parent. So she's, yeah. she's the one that's out working and, and, and leaving and gotta, you know, gotta go out and do, do, do the, uh, do her thing. So, you know, you got a partnership. That's what it is. So Tim, we, we understand you have some new music coming out soon. Yeah, and man. We're, we're super excited about it. Would you yeah. mind sharing about, a little bit about your new project? Yeah. Well, okay. So we released three songs um, back in February. And everyone kept saying, why only three songs? And I kept saying, pretty soon you'll find out why. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's just, it's kind of a reaction to how people consume music now, man. Like I, you know, I'm heavily rooted in classic stuff. I love to have albums. I love bodies of work. Even as, a, as an artist, I love to have like a body of work and use one producer and make it all kind of cohesive and sound like a package. Um, but people don't consume music like that anymore. So we had a big discussion at the office one day and someone said, well, what if we did, what if instead of committing to 12 songs and putting out a record and like working that for 18 months or two years? So yeah, people don't care about record. I mean, some people do, you know, there, there are avid fans and collectors that love to have that kind of things. But, you know, with Spotify and Apple Music and, and Amazon Music and all those things, it's like people are more about the songs. So we did three back in February and then yeah. we're, we're going to release another three to add to that at the end of the month here. And I'm super pumped because each of the three songs has a bit of a different flavor, but somehow complement the other three. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but um, I'm pumped about it. 
So one yeah, of those where, uh, one of those three songs going to be coming out. Those next three. I don't know the exact date, but I know at the end of the month here. Okay. Yeah. By the end of June, yeah, we'll have something. Or I mean, they might have pushed it to July. I might be sticking my foot in my mouth, but sometime real soon, we're going to hear new new music from Tim Hicks. <laughs> awesome. I know uh, we we're looking forward to having some new uh, summer anthems. So we'll right on, man. I love that. We'll be playing them. There's at least one rock and summer song for you. Kind of like a little bit sublimey. Remember the band Sublime? Yeah. A little bit bit in that vein. It's, it's a, I'm I'm pumped about it. It's going to be good. Okay. So Tim, uh, one of the things we talked about on one of our recent episodes was how during the summer, especially the two of us are both windows down kind of people driving around and in the summer, always country music blaring. Uh, one thing I want to ask you, are you windows up or windows down? Ah, depends how hot it is. Depends okay. how hot. And if you're on the highway. So, um, I don't know. I got kids. So I usually, I'm usually rocking the air, but my, my wife, even if I do have the air conditioning on in the truck, my wife's got her, got the window down. So I would say we're, we're a windows down family. So there you go. Nice. We, we got nice. the second part windows down family. We were uh, talking about what the proper arm form is out of the window. So is it, do you have your hand dangling? Are you elbow on the sill hand I'm, up top? I'm an elbow on the side. Okay. 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 I'm an elbow okay. like that. But and inside the car. If I'm if I'm in on in the passenger side, I'm like doing this all day long. I just, that's what we yeah. that's what we we're saying. Feels yeah, good. That's, it feels does good feel right good. now to do it. Feels good right now. So, <laughs> if you're driving in the car and you're yeah. not listening to yourself on the radio, yeah, all your bangers. Turn it, I turn it when I come on. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> um, what music would you genuinely generally be listening to? And yeah. If uh, you were to listen to more recent stuff, who is like one artist that you'd be listening to now? Yeah, so um, I listen to a lot of Eric Church. I just think yeah. he's the coolest. But I've got Sirius XM in the truck, so I'm rocking all different stuff. Like I love talk right. radio too, so I listen to a lot of talk. Okay. Um, but um, I've got like, for instance, I've got classic vinyl on a preset. I've got uh, Willie's Roadhouse. I love Willie's Roadhouse. It's just so good. Like my kids, it drives them crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but as a dad, it's my job. It's my job to drive yeah, yeah. a little bit crazy. So I listen to a lot of that. Uh, Prime Country's on there. Um, let's see what else I've got. Oh, lots of Tom Petty radio. I love Tom Petty radio. And I've been checking out too. They've got a few things like Led Zeppelin radio and, and things like that on, uh, on Sirius XM right now. So I've been checking a little bit of that out. So it's, you know, it's between classic rock and country. And then every now and again, I'll throw on like the spectrum or something like that, just to see what's happening in the indie world and, uh, just get you know something something a little bit different or the bridge like, oh the bridge is great yeah, i yeah. love the bridge man i love yeah, simon yeah. and garfunkel and like you know yacht rock like all that kind of stuff i think it's <laughs> you know in the in, different music for different vibes right yeah absolutely yeah. so tim I, I mean this may be a long shot but i feel like we can't have the tim hicks on our podcast and not get to sing with him Oh, so yeah. Would we be able to sing the chorus of stronger beer together yeah man here let me i got i'm in the studio i got lots of guitars here all right, let's see. Well, I don't have a pick handy. Oh yeah, I do. Wait, stand by. Gotta be- I think it's the coolest moment of my life, maybe. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> this is like this is like the one song that anytime I'm out, like at a party or I've got people over at a house or something, I put this song on just to show off that I know like real. every word. Oh my god. <laughs> Can you hear that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Even a little out of tune like the record. All right. 
We got, got stronger beer. <laughs> yeah, we do, baby. Yeah, we do, baby. <laughs> yeah, see, the that's thing, unreal. I, if you ever noticed, one guy, only one guy's ever asked me about this. You know, that song is like largely acoustic. Did you, have, you know, do you get that yeah, vibe? Yeah. It's like, yeah. You know, there's like shaker and claps and things like that. The reason for that is because we just put the demo out. That's all that was. It's okay. no, nobody wanted to do anything more with it. We were just like. It has a vibe. Let's just put it out. So we never did it as a band. Like the idea was we we're going to go in and cut it as a band later, but right. we just never did. So there you go. That was awesome. That was so well, cool. I can't, I can't get the smile off my face. Too. <laughs> yeah. Like we can't thank you enough for coming on and, and doing I this with you. us. Um, like three new projects coming out mid July, June, May. We, we don't yeah. know yet, but coming Tim Hicks is coming in the future. And yeah. we're super excited about that. We're super thrilled to have you on and chat with you. We had a blast. Thank you yeah. so much for having me guys. Thank you for taking the time to come on. We really, really appreciate it. It was uh, so much fun. Enjoy the <laughs> night. Awesome. Have a drink and think of me. Thank you. We will. Thanks <laughs> for coming <laughs> on. Thanks, boys. See you later. See yeah. ya. Cheers. Wow. That's all I can say. Getting to, getting to chat with Tim Hicks, like, we, we've been big fans for a long time. And not only chat with him and, and find out a little bit more about his career, uh, to find out he's got new material coming out. Yeah. And, yeah. and... To be able to sing one of my favorite songs, just like a Canadian anthem. Yeah, know. it was. Hey, it, how cool uh, was that? It was sick. It's kind of funny because like when uh, I've been listening to it back, um, the audio and like you'll kind of notice it. The audio when we were all listening and like singing together or whatever was kind of off. There was a little bit of a delay just because of the internet. And yeah, uh, yeah. so like there was a point in time where like I stopped because I couldn't figure out what was going on between hearing you and Tim. But then like we just picked it up, kept buzzing through and set, like cranked out the chorus of Stronger Beer. It was so cool though. Like you, you shot your shot and he's like, yeah, uh, well, of course. And he stands up, goes, grabs his guitar and just starts strumming out Stronger Beer with us. That was so cool. It was so cool to do. And we were a little bit unsure. Tim was unsure as well about his new release date. But he has a new EP, Wreck This, coming out June 26th. So check that out. Yeah, yeah. Pretty cool to get to get to have him on. Uh, somebody that I've seen in concert a few times. Someone whose songs I love listening to and singing them. So yeah. getting, to, getting to be a platform that he came on to promote some of his stuff was pretty cool as well. You that know? was unreal, yeah. man. I, I don't think I'll be forgetting that for a long time. No. Uh, speaking of Stronger Beer, that we're, as we were talking about a little before the interview, I think uh, Phase 2, Phase 2 beers, they, uh, they were a little, little bit stronger. Yeah, that first time back, they were a little bit stronger. That first time back. I, can't, yeah. I woke up this morning, I uh, stayed at Brown's house, and I was hurting a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I'm still hurting. This is a guilty podcast. So. I'm one of those guys. Like, when I when I get drinking, I could pretty much pat like sleep anywhere. So like at <laughs> uh, at OC's house, I used to sleep in this leather recliner. Like it didn't even recline fully back. It was just like one of those ones that it it was kind of on a weird angle and like the feet would go up kind of thing. And I would just pass out in this recliner. So I fall asleep on this short little leather couch in brown's basement last night 
wake up this morning and uh his mom made me uh made me a coffee and uh it was just perfect perfect way to get like battle through that little morning hangover and i was is that your uh is that like your go-to do you normally drink coffees to oh yeah coffees right away uh now i drink black coffee just, Dude, I, that's, I only drink black coffee. Yeah. Like, I can't put anything in it. It's literally just diesel. Like you're actually yeah, yeah. like jet engine fuel, but I love it. I it's love me it. Me too. I think it, I think it's delicious. I just, I can't put anything in it anymore. Yeah. Like, it, I, it's so basically for me too. I feel like with black coffee, you just can't go wrong. Like you can't have a bad coffee almost. Uh, I, I beg to differ. One time I was at a bank and as a TV bank <laughs> at, at, and it had like a little like disp- a coffee dispenser. I was standing in line. I'm like, might as well help myself to a coffee. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they like made coffee for like the last, and it's probably sitting there for the last week and a half. Yeah. Okay. I took fair. one. It literally had like this fishy smell to it Ugh. and it was just like awful. Just terrible. What the? Yeah. Why would you drink it after you like smelled the fishy smell? Why? Like what were you Dude. Like, Oh, this will probably be okay. <laughs> My coffee smells like fish. <laughs> And yeah, you, I, you I honestly don't even know if it was coffee. I, I, don't, I don't even know if it was It was a brown liquid that was like, had a little like country. I don't know what, what brand it was. Yeah. But it was oh awful. Okay, so oh, ever, yeah. <laughs> I, I just don't want to talk about fishy coffee. Bank, yeah, yeah. Stay away from bank coffee. And just don't, don't call, don't call yeah. Coffee. Yeah. So I finished the coffee and uh, I head out. And usually for me, like after that, uh, at school, we had a Wendy's down the street, so I would wake up, have my coffee, and then walk down the street to Wendy's and just get something greasy and come back yeah, and eat yeah. that. Um, but today, I on my way home, I drove past McDonald's, so I stop in there, and I feel like it was probably like eleven fifteen, eleven thirty ish when I got what's there. Your, what's your go to? What's your go to coffee place? Like, if are you Timmy's, McDonald's? Uh, I'd probably not have even to gonna put Don's. Starbucks on the table, like. Yeah, no, really? I'd probably have to say Don's. Yeah, I think I think I like That's Don's coffee though. a bit more than Tim's, yeah. You know, Don's Don's coffee is Tim Horton's old recipe. Yeah, yeah, I know. Wild, wild. And Tim's recipe is like Burger King's old recipe or something. Shut up, is it? Yeah, I'm pretty wow. sure. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I go to McDonald's. I'm in the drive-thru. I'm getting just like my classic breakfast uh, hangover like here. Getting the sausage and egg and... I always get the hash brown, then throw the hash brown on the sandwich. Oh, so I pull up to the thing. I, I ask for the sausage and egger, hash brown, and uh, a medium iced coffee, which I just cranked the yeah. <laughs> coffee like an hour before. <laughs> but the lady says to me, oh, we don't do hash browns after 11. And I was mind blown. Is that, is that like a new thing? Or, cause they I do thought it was all day, all day breakfast. breakfast. Yeah. Right. They do all day breakfast. So why do you not serve hash browns past 11 like that just doesn't make sense i feel like they're such an easy thing to prepare too like you just like what they're little frozen hash brown patties and you can't just heat them up like yeah yeah so i thought that was so weird that that was something that that she had to say like oh we don't do hash browns after 11 you should write an angry letter and then throw it out just like (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm gonna write an angry a strongly worded letter to mcdonald's canada (laughs) just send it but you don't send it no you don't send it you don't don't send it let those feelings out there (laughs) just express myself express yourself and then just bury it deep down and never bring it up again (laughs) okay maybe no but for real but for real i I just talked to somebody about that because that is bush league yeah but it's not all day breakfast 
It's just not. Yes, it is all day breakfast. Yeah, you, you can't claim that you have all day breakfast. And then the not serve breakfast bre- items. Yeah. It's such an essential part of the breakfast. Mm-hmm. Like it really is. It's, there's no sausage and egg or without the hash brown. You I can't, like, you like, it's, 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 it's a, a staple in the breakfast yeah, combo. It is. It really is. But yeah, then she just threw me off and was like, do you want fries with it? Oh yeah, what? I'm getting a sausage and egg and I'm going to have fries? No, no, that's a terrible idea. No. <laughs> yeah. but, Are you serious with that suggestion? Get out of here. Yeah. So when I was working construction, like I know the grind, you'd wake up in the morning and like first thing before anything, coffee. Yeah. Get the day going. I, I've like, I've, I'm kind of ashamed to admit, I've had some days where I've crushed my fair share of coffee and energy drinks, like to the point where it's probably unhealthy amount. I want to ask you, Philly, how many coffees is too many coffees in a day? Oh man. Okay, so at school I would get up to probably like four. Four I could get up to like four a day and I would just be pumping them out. Yeah. Um veins. Yeah, with working, I think it's definitely like three a day is average. I don't know how many is too many because I feel like I pro- I'm probably drinking too many. <laughs> like yeah. Three, four, five, it's a lot. Like, that's a lot of coffee. So I don't want to say, oh, more than five is too many. Because I'm definitely in the territory of too many a day. I'm going to say four. I'm going to put the limit at four a day. Because, like, if I'm studying in the library and, like, I... Because, like, I never really have coffee, like, at night or, like, late afternoon. Yeah. But, like, if I am studying, then I will. Like, I'll I'll get some to, like, help me stay up. So I've probably pushed the the envelope a time or two, but... Okay, listen to this. So in second year, I think it was, I started doing this thing where, you know, those mason jars, like the glass mason jars? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the metal lid. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. The metal lids are screw on, right? Yeah, yeah. I had I had one that was like, it was a pretty big size and it could fit three coffees in it. So oh what I would God. do is make three coffees at night, pour them in this thing, and then uh, put it in the fridge overnight and take it like to the library with me the next day. So what I would be doing is I would wake up, have a coffee, then go to campus and then drink this mason jar of three coffees in it. It was frozen? Like, did you heat it up? No, I would just drink it like cold coffee. Oh my God, you psychopath. Yeah, yeah. That's disgusting. Yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> it got me through. It was just fuel, man. Okay, fair enough. That's all it was. It was just fuel. Yeah, and it was cheaper Cheap than having to buy coffees all day, right? For so. sure. But wasn't it a pain in the ass carrying that? that? I can only assume it was a pretty large mason jar. Like if you dropped, if you dropped that, you know that mess. You, like, yeah, yeah mess I just carried it in suck. my uh, backpack, or not my oh, backpack, okay, okay. my uh, like gym bag. I see. Bring that with me. Yeah, so I would like wrap it up in some stuff just in case like anything happens, and then bring it with me. Yeah, I feel like uh, I feel like a lot of people walking through campus just seem like way more prepared than I do. Like I have my bag with books and stuff, but there are people who like have extra bags and extra pouches and like stuff with them, like meal prep. It's like yeah, damn. no, I never had that. I would just have the coffee and uh, like my backpack, obviously, my coffee, and then the my gym bag, and that was it. But yeah, I just like, like exclusively for coffee though. Like the gi- no, 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 no. I'd have my gym clothes in there. Like I would uh, go to the gym. I was an avid gym goer at that time, McGee. Come on, give me some credit, dude. Honestly, I I just like I pretend to be like I go like once or twice near the beginning of the semester. I'm like, all right, this is the, this is the year. This is the year when I bulk up and like I'm just gonna like change my life. And then I like three weeks down the road, it's like, oh, like, I can't find the time. While I'm sitting on my ass playing Tiger Woods PGA. <laughs> yeah. like, I can't find the time between school and video games. There's no yeah, time. Yeah, exactly, man. It's a, 
Decisions, decisions. It's a battle. All right, well, <laughs> I think we got to get into uh, our first segment of the show. Uh, a fan favorite, one that I love doing, I enjoy a lot. We got to do it with uh, a couple guests earlier on, and then we've done it between just you and I. We did that one first one two weeks ago. I love that last one. Yeah, that was yeah. a great one. So I think it's time that we get into our first segment of the show, uh, This or That. All right, McGee, here we go. Uh, I will start it off with our first of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, would you rather have subtitles in real life or be able to adjust real life volume? Ooh, I think well, that's a tough one, man. There are so many great applications for either option. Yeah. Like, when I think of this question, I think of click. Like how like the Japanese business yes, that are talking. Yes. I'm like, what's on the uh, subtitles and they just want to go go to TGI Fridays. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I'm gonna have to go with um, subtitles because I feel like I'd be able to understand everybody. And it would just make my life so much easier. Oh, I didn't think about that. Because you could understand what everybody's saying at all times. The, the only shitty thing is is you wouldn't be able to communicate back to them, but like you'd be able to understand. Fair enough, man. Okay, I was gonna think like I was thinking like the volume, just because there's certain times where you like, I don't know, you you're like doing something or uh, yeah. like I don't know if I'm at work and like all the machines are blaring loud and it's like okay, I'll just turn these down and like tune it out for a little bit. Or you're trying to study or trying to do work and you can like yeah. tune turn the volume down. But man, I think that. I'm gonna have to switch. You could, I think you yeah, can dude, I, I'm I going with the subtitles because then you just that's like equivalent to or it can replace having to do the volume because it's not like if you can't hear somebody, you can just read what they're saying. So then it just yeah. solves that problem. So you never you I agree. I, I didn't think volume. of it that way, but yeah, that makes that's another great reason why to pick. Uh, yeah, that's just a that's a good one then. We'll both go with the subtitles in real life. All right, yeah, subtitles in real life it is. Second one I got for you, Philly. Yeah. Would you rather have seven foot long, sorry, seven foot long arms, or seven foot long legs? Oh man, I think I'll go with the arms. Um, seven foot edit, long. Uh, have you seen the edit of the woman standing in front of the bear with like the really long arms? I think we posted it on the Lads and Launchers Instagram account like a while ago. No, I don't think I've seen. You know, I don't remember. It's no. the woman in like the yellow shirt. She's like standing in front of some. Oh bears. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay, really I remember what you're talking arms. about. I think yeah. I would go with the seven foot long arms though. Just like you could reach everything. I guess you could reach things when you're seven foot long legs because you'd be taller. But I feel like the arms would be more applicable and more like useful in just day to day life. Like you never have to like yeah. bend down to pick up stuff. Like imagine you're seven feet tall and you try to like bend over to tie your shoes. That's true. You're just but you'd be pooched. taller than you'd be taller than your legs alone are seven feet. You'd be like, literally, what I don't know. You'd be like eleven feet tall. But I feel like yeah, exactly. I feel like seven foot long legs would be like more of a disadvantage than an advantage. Oh, the long arms would be able to like help you out. Yeah, because like your arms, even if they're like too long to do stuff, you could just like tuck them in or like you know, cross your arms or something, but your legs, like you can't just avoid having seven foot long legs. Like I think I'm going to take gonna the through doorways. You're just, you're going to take I'm the legs. I'm taking the legs. Yeah. Cause yeah, well, here's what I'm going to do with them. 
I'm going to become an Olympic sprinter and break, <laughs> break the world record for 100 meter dash. I could literally get to the, the finish line and like you do like high strong. jump too. Yeah, I could do. Imagine high triple jump. jump. <laughs> oh my god, I would just be a freak of nature and I'd be able to like, shatter every Olympic and world record. Okay, fair. Of course, deals Gatorade. I'm thinking movie movie rights maybe like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we disagree on that one. I'll go with the arms and you got the legs. I got the legs. All right, last one. Would you rather listen to your favorite song and get $1 every time you finish it or listen to the worst song in the world and get $100 every time you finish it? Ooh. I think I don't listen to my favorite song like enough to make the $1 every time worthwhile. Plus, right. I wouldn't want to ruin my favorite song for me. Because like, right. I don't want to do it a thousand times and get sick of my favorite song. That sucks. Yeah. I would listen to, I listen to the world's worst song and get a hundred bucks every time I finish it. But my, my problem with that is like, how bad is this bad song? And how, yeah, and long, how long is it? <laughs> and how long is it? <laughs> yeah. How long it is is a like, huge factor. Yeah. If I have to sit there for like four hours and listen to this white noise, then like, it's just like radio. It's just static. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's painful. That could be that is painful. But here, here's like the way I thought about it. So, I kind of had like the similar thought process to you about like the favorite song, uh, or like the best song or whatever. Yeah. Um, I feel like with that, getting the one dollar, the more you listen to it, the more you're gonna hate the song. So then For it just sure. becomes less enjoyable, even though you're getting the dollar. It's like okay, this isn't worth it. Whereas with the worst song in the world, if you get $100 every time you finish it, every time you listen to it, it could just get more and more enjoyable because you're making 100 bucks. So you could yeah. just end up liking the song more and more. That's true. Because it's you bringing could. you income. So you're like, I know, this man, sucks, but like, any- I'll just battle. Yeah. Like you could just listen to that song all day at work. But one, <laughs> one other thing I took into consideration is like... Uh, I feel like there are enough artists out there and like new music being released that like at least the world's worst song is going to be like changed frequently, you know, like it could be updated. So like it won't be the world's worst song like all the time. There'll probably be another song that comes out that's worse than that. So you get to change up the variety, but like your favorite song is just your your favorite song. Your favorite song. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, that's all we have for uh, this or that. And uh, I think we get into our final segment of the show. Before we uh, before we wrap it up, our lad of the week. Lad of the week. Okay, so McGee, I uh, I've got a lad of the week. Do you? We didn't really like talk about it too much prior to. We hadn't had this one prepared, but um, with phase two opening up and uh, Friday being the first day, patios were open. We got to go back and drink, like have drinks and see everybody, kind of thing. Uh, I'm going to give the lot of the week to the man himself, Doug Ford. <laughs> so, really? Yeah. Really? So I was not expecting that one. With Dougie spearheading the, uh, the, la- the phase two efforts, phase two, and being the reason behind us being able to go out and have patio beers with the boys and me getting to like live out my dream and go to the Dutch and have wings and pictures. <laughs> I'm going to have to just thank the man in charge and give the lot of the week to Doug. There's just no way around Dougie. it. Yeah. I think uh, he's honestly like, I've been kind of impressed with how he's handled the, this whole yeah. crisis. We're not, we're not really like politics guys or into that too much. So we won't get really into what he's done, but yeah, he's done a pretty good job of handling the situation. I think um, 
but open not, up that, these yeah two. but this is just I, I feel like this is mainly about just like the patio beer situation just basically yeah because <laughs> he let us he let us <laughs> go and drink with the boys yeah. like i got to have i have okay there's this app I'll, I'll talk about this real quick there's this app it's called beer with me and all my friends at school have it and like what happens is uh every time you're drinking you click this little beer glass on the app and it sends a notification to all of your friends and it whatever you put your nickname it says their nick your nickname is drinking beer so my that's like, amazing yeah, get, it's a great app. Right now. It's a great app. So like at school, what would happen is one person would click it and then it would say they're drinking beer and it says like their location. And then everybody else would like, if you're preying, everybody else starts hitting that they're drinking beers and then everybody's in different locations. And then slowly through the course of the night, everybody's like in the same location drinking beer because everybody just like comes together is at the same bar is doing whatever. So I Dude, thought that was like a great, a great app. That's genius. Yeah. That's genius. Yeah. I'm downloading that as soon as this episode's finished. But like, that's incredible. Yeah, and everybody like makes all these different uh, different names and like, stuff. That, that's so funny. So like that's one like of my friends. A... Yeah, like one of my friends. Uh, <laughs> Big Call is his nickname, but he made his. He changes his name all the time. So right now he's like at his cottage. So his name is Muskoka Call. So it'll get a notification. <laughs> Muskoka Call is drinking beer. <laughs> And then, uh, like one of our friends, her name is Sid Cavanaugh, and her name is Sid Cavanaugh. Other drink, and it's just like so creative. Every time it comes up, like my buddy Simmer, he made his. Uh, There's like a. I think he dr- used to be like a race car driver or something. No, his name is Fernando uh, Pisani. And Fernando uh, Pisani was out of the Edmonton Oilers, bro. Oh, what was he? I fucking yeah, I dude. didn't know, man. I, Fernando Pisani is the guy who scored the. He's okay, so anyway, six overtime winner. Just seven, okay. seven there you go. Taiwan. Now I look like a fool. But anyways, <laughs> Simmer made his name. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is who I, that is who I was thinking of. Okay, so he made his name. I'm going to Fernando Pisani my bed tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that's so, so good. It's so good. It's such a good app. But yeah, so I think that ends episode 37, the Dave Steib Steib episode. Um, the in the episode of independence, <laughs> we'll call it. Yeah, yeah. Some bogus astrology. Uh, wanna, what a uh, great episode it was! And what a, once again, we just want to thank him so much for joining us. Awesome interview. Yeah. Better guy. Yeah, and, great guy. Uh, hopefully, we can take him up on his offer. Meet him halfway in Burlington, and then we can. Uh, we'll have, have a little jam session together. We could use a uh, beer with me. Yeah, we'll use beer beer with me with uh, Tim Hicks. We'll be drinking some stronger beer with Tim. But um, Guy, that about does it for episode thirty-seven. Great chatting yeah. with you. Great chatting with Great you. Great well. segments. Always some laughs. Absolutely. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed. I mean, if you're a first-time listener, uh, thanks for thanks for joining us. Yeah. I was telling Philly at the beginning of this episode, we have, uh, I think, like only like ten percent of our, our female audiences or our audience is female. But like, I feel like it kind of increased today because of Tim. Ladies love Tim, right? Yeah. Great. Which is amazing. Yeah. We love we love the support from the Ladats. We love the support from you guys, and yeah. we're getting we're getting a lot of it recently, which is which is pretty cool to see. Yeah. So we want to thank you guys again. Hope you enjoyed, and more big things to come. You're not gonna want to miss it. So catch us same time. I guess next week. Next week. Sorry. Same time. Same place. Same launchers. Thanks, lads and Ladats. Cheers. <laughs>